Is this you pay later a strategic or inevitable move? Um, it's very much a strategic move. Um, I'm no stranger to to buy now pay later. I've I've mm -hmm. been into that business for over a decade, um, mm -hmm. and Unzer um, as well is not. Um, we have we have acquired two businesses that had their um, buy now pay later offering. Um, and what we have really done is we have uh, merged those those products, but also the knowledge and, and data capabilities together mm -hmm. um, on a new API to provide a, a, a new service, which is very much built upon the knowledge and, and, the, and also the product background of the service we had mm -hmm. um, to, to launch uh, UPay later. Uh, mm -hmm. It's really a strategic move. We see this as a, as a great additional benefit our merchants have uh, it really solves the needs that the market has when it comes to uh, buy now pay later and mm -hmm. um, and with that yeah we really we really think we can have uh, we can add another pillar to to our growth and profitability going forward hello and welcome to the latest episode of Headstalk with me elaine pringle schwitter the podcast where we talk to c-level executives leaders of institutions and heads of multinationals one of the current topics they talk we listen <laughs> Can you imagine getting into a business or a market where you actually spend a hundred billion plus on a piece of paper? Are you kidding me? It was like a frying pan of the head. I got nothing against CFOs. It was not just the job of a lifetime, it was the job of a thousand lifetimes. My guest today is an experienced payments executive with a commercial spike. He's approaching two decades in the fintech and payments sector and now heads a fast-growing, innovative fintech organization for international payment transactions. He will tell you more about this later. Ahead, another exciting conversation in the fintech space. But before we get into that, here's a brief message. U.S. Private Capital Forum Go Real 2023 launched now with on-demand sessions offering attendees the utmost flexibility to access industry-specific content and deals on their terms. It will bring together over 100 speakers from across Europe over a broad agenda covering private equity, venture capital, real estate and private debt. For details, visit www.eurosforum.org. Heads Talk podcast with your host, Elaine Pringle-Schwitter. Robert Buenik is the Chief Executive Officer of Unzer, the German fintech company that offers payment and commerce solutions for merchants and organizations across Europe. Prior to this, Robert's role was the Chief Commercial Officer. Other past experiences include the General Manager for Klarna in the DAC region, leading DAC into Klarna's largest market and key revenue driver. In this role, he also functioned as the branch manager of Klarna's Bank's German branch and managing director of bill pay and so forth. Before this, he was the general manager responsible for Klarna's Belgium and Netherlands market. Robert is an entrepreneur by heart and has founded and worked in various startups prior to his move to Klarna. Okay, so without further ado, I'd like to welcome Robert to Head's Talk. Many thanks for being with us today. Thank you, Elaine, and great to be here. Okay, um, I'd like to start with you providing my listeners with a summary of UNSA, you know, the beginnings, the size, locations, etc. What do you fundamentally do? Um, that's a it's, a, it's a quite interesting question because um, in many ways, 
Unser is an assembly of various journeys um, and various starts because uh, essentially Unser is a merger company bringing together the knowledge and expertise of various uh, startups that mm -hmm. got merged into the Unser organization um, with that also bringing a, a broad range of products and services mm -hmm. and, and bringing those together is really what makes Unser unique. So, um, with how that, how many organizations we, did you work with to merge? Uh, how many organizations did you merge with to, to create UNSER? Um, essentially, it depends a bit on the definition, but essentially, it's the coming together of 13 companies, wow. um, out of which uh, seven are, are, um, are the larger ones, um, which also drive the different product capabilities that we have. Um, but in essence, what we, what we do with UNSER mm -hmm. is we bring all these capabilities together to provide merchants really a one stop shop. Mm -hmm. um, for all services that a, a merchant might need to grow and thrive. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, we, we combine all this technology, data and payment uh, cap capabilities to help mm -hmm. merchants to start, run and grow their businesses. Okay. And, 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 and where are you based, location of um, UNSA? So I'm, I'm personally based in Berlin, um, in Germany. We've also um, recently reallocated our headquarters to Berlin. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, that's a central hub. But um, we're really spread out. Um, we are mostly large in three markets, which is Germany, Austria, and Denmark. Mm -hmm. And we have offices um, in Vienna uh, for Austria, in Germany, in Berlin, Munich, Heidelberg, yeah. Hamburg, yeah. and Frankfurt. Mm -hmm. And then we have uh, an office in Denmark in the beautiful city of Aarhus. Right. Um, so give a the listeners a sort of a sense of the size of the organization and people. Um, people wise, we're, we're give or take 700 um, mm -hmm. people spread out really over these offices. Uh, none of the offices has more than 120. So it's really similar size offices spread out mm -hmm. really as, as centers of excellence uh, from the different product capabilities. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, turnover wise, uh, we run around 200 million uh, revenue. Okay. Okay. As I heard, fast-growing fintech organization right now let's dive into the meat of this conversation um it's about your recent product launch first um congratulations on this uh, and to thank add, you uh, yes, and to add you robert you are no stranger to bnpl market and as mentioned in the introduction you were the clan head of the DAC region and even did a stint in belgium and the netherlands so for unza is this you pay later a a strategic or inevitable move? Um, it's very much a strategic move. Um, I'm no stranger to, to buy now, pay later. I've, I've mm -hmm. been into that business for over a decade. Um, mm -hmm. And Unzer um, as well is not. Um, we, have, we have acquired two businesses that had their um, buy now, pay later offering. Um, and what we have really done is we have uh, merged those, those products, but also the knowledge and, and data capabilities together mm -hmm. um, on a new API to provide a, a, a new service, which is very much built upon the knowledge and, and, the, and also the product background of the service we had mm -hmm. um, to, to launch uh, UPay later. Uh, mm -hmm. It's really a strategic move. We see this as a, as a great additional benefit our merchants have uh, it really solves the needs that the market has when it comes to uh, buy now pay later and mm -hmm. um, and with that yeah we really we really think we can have uh, we can add another pillar to to our growth and profitability going forward 
Mm -hmm. I do like the name You Pay Later. It literally does what it says on the tin. Um, give us some dates. When was this launch and, and the time to get into this point? Um, so we really launched it um, early this year, um, coinciding with uh, with the press release. Mm -hmm. um, but but as as we said, um, we're no strangers to 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 buy now pay later. So in that sense, we have been running a successful buy now pay later business uh, within the the the, mm -hmm. the the business that were acquired for for many years. All right. Okay. Okay. So um, how does this differ from other buy now pay later providers? And 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 you know, tell us about the USP. So what makes our product really different um, is that it's a, it's a full um, wide label offering. Mm -hmm. So um, if you look at my, my previous company, for an example, yes. um, they have a strong brand presence. presence. They really um, focus on, on being a consumer brand and, and offering a consumer experience that is, mm -hmm. that is always the same for the consumer and attracting consumers into their infrastructure, into their world. Mm -hmm. Um, also using that then to, to upsell different services and products. Um, um, also being, for example, deals and offers of uh, potential competitors of the, of the merchant that they work with. Mm. Um, what we provide is really a merchant service, allowing the consumer to have a buy now pay later offering that they, that they like and are used to. However, um, we do not want to be in consumer brand. Um, we allow the merchant to either do this with completely neutral branding, just really branded with the product name or branded completely in the look and feel of the merchant. Um, even if the merchant wants, wants so with their own name. Mm -hmm. um, and then afterwards, the entire flow, the entire consumer experience mm -hmm. is owned by the merchant. They mm -hmm. can adjust um, the, the emails, uh, potential reminder letters, um, yeah. The sequencing of the reminders, um, the, how many reminders, et cetera, et cetera. They can completely tailor that to their needs and to their own consumer experience and how they want it. And that's really the essential difference. Right. Um, with, with our offering, the merchant does not lose control of the consumer experience. They completely own this until the end. Uh, while with, with alternative options, naturally, they hand that experience over to another provider. Hmm. That's, that's interesting. So, so it's a, it's a, a white label, as you mentioned, B two B offering. Um, with this model, with this approach, do you think Unzir will potentially miss out on developing a, a, or the development of a, a direct, fruitful customer relationship? I mean, effectively, you're you're leaving this to the retailers or the merchants. You don't want to be a consumer brand. Don't do you think you're going to miss out on something here? Um, I think there's there's a role for players that that tailor towards the consumer as their primary customer, um, and for um, players that retailer really to the merchant's needs. So our, we see our customer as being the merchant, and the merchant providing a service to the consumer, and we mm -hmm. help our merchants to provide the best service to the consumer that they think they need. Mm -hmm. Is yours offering a sort of a better buy now pay later offering, or just different there isn't one better or, or, or one better than the other is it just a different offering well if you look at it depends on the retailer and how much they feel the need to 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 control um and be on top of their consumer experience 
Um, I think some retailers have a discomfort with giving that to a third party, um, completely controlling that flow. Mm -hmm. Consumers have different needs. Um, I think that, you know, I've worked there for many years and I think the Klarna experience and product is great, uh, for an example, but the same can be said for competitors like Clearpay, Afterpay. Um, But that uh, that experience is not for everybody, Uh, right? It's a very specific experience with a, with um, yeah, very you know, using an app, um, mm-hmm. branding very much directed towards millennials, mm-hmm. and um, you have to understand that that by now pay later is is a very popular, a very traditional payment yeah. method in Germany yeah. um, and in Austria um, for the, those same reasons, mm-hmm. where um, especially in retail, um, up to eighty percent of some retailers uh, checkouts uh, go and select by now pay later as the payment method. Okay. And from this base, a lot of these consumers, they want to have a, a simple and um, and traditional by now experience that they're used to. Um, and they don't necessarily want to have all the services and tools and tweaks that um, the consumer brands offer. So I think within this, um, there is a room for, for different experiences and uh, the consumer can pick the experience that they prefer. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, you know... When it, uh, I know I'm going to have a guest on the show. I do a bit of research, and a lot of the research around your the launch of the you pay later. Um, you've had conversations, you've made statements where you know your offering, your B two B, your white label offering is a, a better offering. And I'm just wondering um, how many BNPL players are offering this in terms of percentage, offering the same as what you're doing, and and those that are sort of direct to consumer. Um, there is a there is a couple of other players offering um, uh, also wide label uh, services. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, not many, but there's a, there's a few. Um, and then of course you have the the, the more famous brand names offering the larger ones, mm-hmm. uh, so like like the the Klarna's of this world. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we're we're not completely unique, but I think in the in the in the quality of the product and certainly in the elements which you can tweak the experience. I think there we're really unique. Mm-hmm. Also the amount of channels that we are able to provide our services on. Um, so we're also uh, unique in the fact that you, we have a full B2B offering. Uh, we can o- offer phone ordering. Um, uh, we can also offer by now pay later at point of sale. Um, and we can also uh, tweak the di- different data inputs that we do our credit assessments on. So mm-hmm. um, I think with these these things and that flexibility, I think they are really, really unique. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, is, there a, is there a downside to the white label offering? Well, the downside is, of course, that um, that's, it's a customized experience. Mm-hmm. So, um, which is also a claim that, 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 that Klarna has, that if you if you are a consumer and you 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 take a uh, payment methods for preference, then you would like to receive a similar experience every single time. Mm-hmm. And of course, with a customized experience, that's not the case. Um, but at the same time, that's also its benefit because you can provide an experience that is unique to the retailer. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So it's it's early days. Um, you said you've launched this year, but how's it going? Um, how is the Onza new BNPL pay? You pay later, sorry, products been received. 
It's been very well received. Um, we, we received immediately quite a lot of interest from uh, from retailers approaching us directly. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have some very very interesting conversations ongoing, and um, um, at the same time we have migrated merchants from from our old platform to our new platform, and they mm-hmm. uh, they are enjoying the benefits of mm-hmm. the, the additional functionality that that gives. Hmm. It'd be it'd be interesting to see, perhaps in a year's time, it'd be interesting to see how this form of um, white label buy now pay later um, growth just in, in comparison to the sort of the, the traditional one be interested to see how that form has grown and, and you're sort of there at the start of it okay um what does responsible invoice and installment purchases mean to you i've seen this phrase in relation to your launch what does that mean to you it means that um i think any so buy now pay later in essence, is based on the factory model. There's there's various models of buy now pay later, and depending on the market, mm-hmm. the model used is is slightly different. So it's just as a just to say upfront, buy now pay later as a word can mean um, installments over credit cards. It can mean um, installments based on credit, mm-hmm. um, but it can also mean um, an invoice product where it's simply based on factory. Mm-hmm. And the what we do, the majority of it, we also have a, a credit product, but the majority of it is based on factoring, where you're not actually issuing credits to the consumer. Um, so it's important to just stay that up front. Nevertheless, um, uh, purchasing goods that you have not paid for yet is, of course, a form of, of there's a form of risk in there mm-hmm. where people might decide to buy something on impulse where um, they might not be able to afford it. Now, there, of course, we as a, as a business and any vinopulator player, for that sake, um, has a responsibility to make sure that consumers do not uh, purchase things that they they um, ultimately cannot afford. On the other hand, a part of an ethical interest, there's also a very clear economical interest because the nature of the product is as such that we take the risk Mm-hmm. So um, we as Unser take uh, take the credit risk of those purchases. So if a consumer acquires something that they um, that they can't pay at the end, that is our loss. And if your business model is based on um, a small fee um, from the merchant end, where uh, you know as simply stated, a consumer not paying takes a lot of consumers paying to just earn back the loss of that one mm-hmm. transaction. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, you know, we have a very clear economical interest to all, only provide the service to, to people that can afford it and end up paying. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes in the discussion of buy now, pay later, um, uh, being a, a, a risk for young people, indebtedness is, is a bit, uh, is, is losing that out of sight, that the interests are, are actually completely in harmony in the same. Um, and of course, for that basis, we, we make a make an assessment um, on each and every transaction, assessment on historical data and behavior of this customer, but also uh, using external uh, providers of data to to make sure that we, we make that assessment in the best way possible. Okay. Let's, let's go back to sort of BMPL generally. Um, you know, it's, it's come a long way. It, it's ascended quite quickly as well, taking, you know, a hell of a look, the market share from credit cards, et cetera. And it's kind of, it's forcing a lot of the big players, the big digital players and the tech giants to take notice uh, and even join the party. I think I talked about Apple Pay later um, with one of the guests. 
um, it's not going in, in away anytime soon. So what do you think is the future of BNPL? I mean, the, the examples you say, they're really based on, on, on installments over card, um, where it's, it's, of course, quite easy service to adapt to um, uh, for a player that has card capability, uh, much okay. more so than, than, for instance, building it on a factoring model or a direct credit model, just to, to make the distinction again. But um, I think the inherent need of consumers to sometimes um, uh, have have some short-term credit to do acquisitions. I think that that need is of course still very much there and will, will not go away. I think the service that by now Prelater um, gives to consumers in terms of buyer protection, right? It's, it's quite simple. You haven't paid for the goods yet. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so it gives you a lot of comfort and trust into to not Paying for something that, that that that's fake or not the quality that that um, it's promised to be, mm-hmm. um, and certainly also in fashion, um, you know, the very simple use case of, of buying two two sizes of shoes because you don't know what the best fit is, and, and not having to to pay for that upfront and then waiting for weeks for, for the money mm-hmm. to be returned. Mm-hmm. I think these the, these very simple use cases and services are very much there, and and they they are solving a need that's there and that's why you see that by now predator is, is still very much increasing and growing faster than the, the average market mm-hmm. so i think this 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 use case will, will definitely be there and, and will still continue to grow um and i think that use case will also continue to grow um in the offline world right i think the with technology you you are able to to um to offer payment methods and services that were mm-hmm. historically really only there online um, mm-hmm. also in the offline world that's good and um you know i spoke to previous guests about this but he concentrated on the uk market it'd be interested to know your view on regulations where we're at um regulations and buy now pay later particularly in the german market i think i think um i think in the german market um, by now, Pilater has been around for for a long uh, for a long time, and and a lot of regulations um, have been in place also for for a long period of time. Whereas by now, Pilater is a phenomenon that's re- relatively new to the UK market, and and with that, mm-hmm. um, because of the traction it got, regulators are also looking into hey, how how do we deal with this new phenomenon? Mm-hmm. Um, so in that sense, it's, it's slightly different. Having said that, of course, um, Germany is still in the European Union. Um, and at the same time, we have uh, at the European level uh, talks on buy now, pay later and how to provide some regulations for that, which then would naturally also apply in Germany. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what do you think could be improved in terms of laws, regulations or even risk regarding buy now, pay later in that region? Um, I think the, the main topic in the UK and, and also now on the European front is to um, to do a sense of an affordability check on the consumer whether they can really um, yeah, afford the goods that they that they're they're trying to purchase and mm-hmm. and put in a regulation a requirement for the providers to to do this um, in a certain shape and form. I mean, within the buy now later space, you of course also have players that that provide credit um, and and offer that credit a lot more to um, yeah to to a part of the market which which might not um, be able to afford everything right and and that is i think uh, something that 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 is good and needs to be regulated 
So when you talked about affordability check on the consumer, is it at the point of purchase or prior to that? Um, well, well, taking the UK as an example, if you if you provide um, a, a credit or a short-term loan in the UK, uh, as far as I know, you need to do an affordability check, which which looks into, I think you need to answer some questions on what is your income, what are your, your fixed expenses, so what is really your your liquidity, if you will, on a monthly basis, and, and how does that relate to the additional mm -hmm. uh, cost that you would have with that loan? I mean, that's a clear example of an affordability check. Is this yeah, but that is additional... yeah, that is done pr prior to the point of purchase. I'm, I'm exactly. just talking, I'm talking about with a buy now pay later. If I go for a buy now pay later transaction, it's uh, when should the the affordability check be done? Because at the point I'm about to buy this item and spread it over a three month period, should it be done just before the purchase? Should it be done? I don't know, sometime before I even considered purchase. Oh, what I'm trying to get to it. The reason for that is the time it takes to go through the buy now, pay later process can be off-putting to individuals if it's if there's a check done right at the, the point of purchase. Yes, and I mean, that's a very good question. And that is exactly where the challenge will lay. Um, I think it's important that, that the regulation um, is done in a way that it can actually adjust to modern times where where um, people expect an experience that's smooth and quick. I just wondered, so, sorry to interrupt you there, but how is it done in Germany? Is Are these checks done at the point of purchase or somewhere before? I, I, I'm trying to picture how it's done if I was to purchase something in Germany through a buy now and pay later method. Am I checked at the point of purchase or something? Yes, else? You're, you're, you're always fully checked at the point of purchase. All right. Um, and that is also why I think when it comes to um, to affordability, if you compare it to uh, more, the more traditional uh, ways of, of, of issuing short-term credit like credit cards, um, it's actually a far superior way of uh, making sure that um, yeah that people don't mm -hmm. don't acquire mm -hmm. things that they, they can't afford because you do it every single time at every single purchase at point of purchase. It's superior. Well, you, it, it's superior because, because it reduces risk. But is it superior exactly. to customer experience? But also because, for example, with a credit card, you do this check once when you yes um, when you apply for the credit card. Yes, and, and circumstances um, change, don't they? Like circumstances change exactly um, for the better, but, but also for the worse. So it's not a mm -hmm. fair assessment of mm -hmm. somebody's affordability mm -hmm. um, at the point of, of, of purchase. And I think Buy Now Play already today actually provides from that perspective a much more uh, yeah, safe and secure and responsible yes. uh, payment yes. method. Yes, but as, um, I was, I mean, as I was saying, it's secure and responsible and perfect in terms of risk and mitigation, but is it perfect in terms of customer experience? Because surely that prolongs the purchase process. Well, if you if you w would try and put a full affordability um, check, including a lot of additional questions to the consumer at point of purchase, it would definitely make the the experience um, for the consumer a lot worse and a mm -hmm. lot more cumbersome. And um, the question is, does it really um, help the matter, right? Does it really solve what it's trying to solve for, it, or do, does it just mm -hmm. put yeah additional cumbersome steps? Um, for for no pur purpose. So I think when regulation is put in place, um, it, 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 you know, the, the regulators and 
uh, should be careful to not to not try and, and incorporate a a flow or a yes. um, a requirement yes. that's really built in the, the offline world uh, twenty years ago into into uh, what it looks like today. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, and uh, you know, when I had a conversation with the previous guest, it talked about that this if this becomes cumbersome, it will push customers back into the credit card um, space where that you want to move them away from. Um, I'm wondering, would I don't know AI, generative AI, come into play here? Would that help? I think with technology, you can be um, you can provide a much better assessment. Yes. Um, then, then you can by by asking questions uh, yes. the old the old school way, so to say. So, so yes, um, uh, I, I think the, the best way of assessing um, what you want to assess, you, you can use technology to a much uh, greater yes. extent. Okay. I think the whole point is that regulators see that and allow it as a means yeah. to to providing yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. And um, just a final question in terms of regulations in Germany. Uh, I know Germany is part of the European Union as opposed to regulations in the UK. Um, do, you, do you think they're fast and swift? I know they're usually lagging behind with technological development, but do you think they're a little bit faster and swifter than perhaps in the UK? Um, I think it's, it's hard, hard for me to say. I, um, the conversations are ongoing at European level. Um, yeah. um, I've seen that like with PC2 go back and forth for years. <laughs> um, but then some things happen very quickly as well. So um, I think I think indicative rules are there, but now there's consultation rounds where where, where different yeah. players can give input. So it's hard for me to put a put a date on when this is uh, okay. this will be fully applied, and then it needs to be applied in national law as well, mm -hmm. um, where that also can can lead yeah. to yeah. Yeah, different ways of interpreting it, uh, just like we saw with PC two. So. Um, uh, Okay, that that's fair. That's fair. I I don't I don't expect it to be extremely swift. Let's put it that way. <laughs> well, it's bureaucracy. Okay, um, let's look to the future. Um, where to next for Unzia? I mean, what is the greater plan? Can you sort of give us a picture of where you're going? So, so we we really see that um, what I touched upon before that that technology um, and the use of technology data um, and and existing products together. Can really help retailers grow and we, we we put a lot of time and effort to to really connect those dots to really provide all of that in one unified flow mm -hmm. and um, really help the uh, merchants yeah, grow in into the new digital society right and and uh, as you touched upon germany is maybe not as digitized as some of its neighbor countries mm -hmm. And um, and and still has has quite some uh, progression to go in that sense, but it's it's a it's a change that will happen, and I think we as we as Unzer can really help uh, help Germany and German retailers uh, make that step. All right, so you're going to be at the forefront of that. So it's something to watch out and look out for. Yeah, just to just to add to that, so we so we we really see a trend where where software and payments are being being integrated more and more. Mm -hmm. um, so one of the, the companies that became part of Unzer uh, last year, a company called Tilhub, that, uh, a Berlin fintech that provides um, cashier software, mm -hmm. um, that we see also as a, as a central point um, going forward where, where we integrate um, the, the software that a retailer needs to run their shop mm -hmm. and, and, and do day-to-day -day operations 
with our payment um, technology and data and really merge those into uh, being able to to provide a, a true unified commerce experience uh, mm. for our retailers uh, to help them yeah, grow into the to the new digital think, world. So uh, uh, I think Unza gives a sort of a new meaning to collaboration and partnerships. I mean, in in Head Talk, when we have these conversations, especially post pandemic, it's collaboration is like the new innovation. It's the big thing that everyone's doing and embarking on. And you're saying Unza sort of was born out of a collaboration of 13 corporations and it's now it's seven big um, organizations. So you're kind of at the forefront of what is considered innovation. Um, let's end on an exciting um, event, the Special Olympics World Games in Berlin 2023. What role would UNSA play in this forthcoming event? Well, we, we are a sponsor. Um, we provide uh, payment services um, um, and beyond. So we have uh, 60 of our uh, newly launched uh, POSGO devices uh, mm -hmm. being used across the uh, across the terrain or mm -hmm. whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah. and, and we are supporting in the sense that, that we will provide uh, user employees as, as voluntary helpers uh, to make the, the, this, this event right. a huge success. Um, so we, uh, I think that that is really one part that I'm really proud and excited about. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, we are, even though we are we are locally based, um, we have a very international uh, workforce with over sixty nationalities. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, but un unfortunately, we had limited uh, spots for volunteers. So we we <laughs> opened this up, and the amount of people that wanted to volunteer and and spend a few days helping out mm -hmm. on the Special Olympics. Was, was far more than uh, the amount of help that we could actually provide. So I was just uh, yeah, very proud and, and happy that, uh, that that we all wanted to chip in and, and make this event a success. Oh, that's, that's, that's fabulous. Uh, that's fabulous. Uh, will, will you attend any of the games? Uh, yes, I will. And, uh, um, I even heard that I might have the honor to give out a medal. So I, oh, would, uh, I would do that with a grin on my face. <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, of course, we, we, we will try to attend. It's in my hometown. Um, and it's really oh, something that, uh, that that's fantastic. That we, uh, well, if, if you do do that, um, please do share it on LinkedIn so we all can see. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be glad to do that. Okay, do that. that's excellent. Um, Robert Buenik, it's been an absolute pleasure. Many thanks for your time and insights. Thank you, and uh, thanks for the honour of having us. Thanks for joining me today on this episode of Heads Talk. Don't forget to subscribe to the show via my website, elainepinkle.com forward slash Heads Talk, wherever you get your podcasts. Finally, I'd like to thank our sponsors, guests, and you for helping to make the show possible. Please join me next time where I'll be featuring more executives, C-suite leaders, and heads of multinationals. Heads Talk podcast with your host, Elaine Pringle-Schwitter.